All right. Okay, so we are in Advent, and specifically this year, we're in the, the last week of our Advent series, and this year we've been focusing in on this home for the holidays. It's this big idea that your soul, your soul was designed to be at home with God, that your soul actually is in its best state, is in its safest state, is in its healthiest state when your soul is resting at home with God. And so we've been asking the question this time of year, it's, it's pretty common for our souls to be swayed all different ways. What would it look like this time of year for your soul to actually come home for the holidays, for your soul to be in a space that God created it to be, for your Christmas to be marked by joy and hope and love and peace instead of stress and anxiety and everything else that goes along with it. And so kind of, kind of with that idea in mind of, of home for the holidays, um, I got to thinking about traditions that I grew up with. And, and one of them on Christmas morning, um, my, my family would read the Christmas story. And, and, and that sounds great, except for when you're a little kid. And you start to go, man, God made this story so long, right? Because you're sitting there, presents are there, the story's being read here, and all you can think of is what's over there, not what's being read. And it's like, how long? Come on, he's born already, right? Um, and, and so we would, we would rally around that. And then after the Christmas story, um, somebody, somebody would go and sit by the tree, and they'd start to, start to read the to's and from's. And as they would read the to and from, if your name was on here in the to slot, that meant this was your gift, right? And so, so basically for my family, the way it worked is you would get your pile of gifts and, and then out of that pile of gifts, before you could open one, you had to recognize who is it from? Because who it was from, who it was from was a big deal. Why? Because one, if I said that this one was from grandpa, instantly my mind would have in it who? Grandpa. And I would be able to visualize who was giving the gift. And then on top of that, I would know where the, where the gratitude would go for the gift. But who the gift is to, when my grandpa would get me a gift, I didn't have to buy it. I didn't have to earn it. I literally just got the privilege of going, it says, to John. I want to talk tonight from the perspective of um, we're going to dive into the story of the shepherds again, but talk, talk from the perspective of this idea of the giver and this idea of, of when we have the correct giver in view, what does that mean for the rest of the story? What does that mean for the rest of us? And so if you have a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Um, right before the part we're about to dive into, uh, Jesus has been born. Mary, who was pledged to Joseph, has a baby. Um, she is a virgin. She gives birth to Jesus. They wrap him in, in cloths and they lay him in a manger. Um, at that point, then the story breaks away. And we've kind of been here over the last few weeks. But it says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. So, so this idea of shepherds, we talked about it a lot. We're not going to hang here long, but, but the idea that they were outsiders, they didn't belong. They, they weren't people that you should have found in the story, but they're in the story. They're not the people that cleaned up real well. They're not the people that, that had somehow worked hard enough and deserved to be in this part of the story, but God chose them. And it says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. Next two words are extremely important. You ready? Keeping watch. Keeping watch. Look at your neighbor and say, keeping watch. Look at your other neighbor and say, remember that for later. 
All right, we got it. Okay, so keeping watch over their flocks at night. So they're out, and basically keeping watch was they kept everything good in and everything bad out. That was their job, to keep everything good in and everything bad out. Their job was to keep the whole flock together. Their job was to not let any of the flock stray, but to keep it as a whole and not let anything into the hole. And so they were keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. So, so, so they're there, they're keeping watch and all of a sudden that, that word glory shone around it. It's the brilliance of God. Now, I don't, I don't know what you're like when you, when you get this idea in mind, but, but picture a hilltop and, and in Arizona, this is kind of easy because we don't have a lot of light pollution, but picture the stars and all of a sudden out of nowhere, it's, it, it's brightest light that you can think of that, that's just shining around where they are. Maybe just something to remember this Christmas is if you're in a space where darkness seems to be winning and you're in a space where darkness seems to um, have the last word and you're in a, in a place where you feel like the darkness is so heavy sometimes, maybe remember that what Christmas is about is that light broke the darkness, that, that light actually dispels darkness, that when the glory of the Lord shows up, when God shows up, the darkness has to leave. And so the glory of the Lord shone around and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. I bring you good news of great joy. We've talked about this a lot over the last few weeks. But, but maybe tonight, just a different spin on it is this, that they're, they're, do not be afraid. So, so he's having them trade their great fear for great joy. That, that if you're here and just like if, if darkness is your thing, maybe fear is your thing. And maybe fear is something you've been wrestling with that, that maybe tonight just, just kind of anchoring in and going, the story of Christmas is this, that you don't have to be afraid. That you can actually trade your fear for joy. How? By the good news. The good news that we're about to dive into. The good news that a Savior was born. The good news that rescue came. Good news that you don't have to get stuck inside of your fears, inside of the dark, inside of that. Why? Because you can trade it for joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and laying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And so suddenly, and, and so the picture, the imagery, like, like let's, let's context wise, let's grasp this. Okay. Cause, cause the shepherds, like we've covered them well, but there's a moment when another group of people show up in the story and, and there's a moment when this group of people, the angels, the angels have have watched all of human history unfold. For example, when God said, let there be light, the angels were the ones that were watching. When, when God said that he was going to create, when, when this conversation is going on between God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and they say, let us make humankind, let us make mankind, let us make humanity in our image. Let, let, let's take these creatures that we're about to create and let's put our imprint in them. The angels were listening the angels had a front row seat to God then as he creates humanity. And it's kind of the crown like we talked about last week of creation. The angels have had a front row seat. The angels had a front row seat as humanity turns and walks away. And they get to watch 
what transpires as brokenness enters the world is as humans begin to turn on each other and not only that but but then relationships are destroyed and even worse still still that inside of the humans this image that was implanted the angels watch as humanity's image of God is fractured and broken and the angels get to watch the whole time and the angels watch as God goes proactive and God steps God steps out of heaven to the earth and he shows up to people like Moses and Abraham. And he begins to speak through prophets and he begins to work with a nation and he actually shows up on a mountain and and, and the angels are watching this whole thing. And as the angels watch and as the angels are, are, are have a front row seat to the whole thing, they then watch this God who they've seen create, who they've seen face to face. Job says that the angels come into the presence of the Lord. And when they come into the presence of the Lord, they're, they're face to face in the throne room with God himself. And they watch as that God takes on the frailest form of humanity. That's the moment that they've been waiting for. And as that moment happens now, this frail, frail, this, this magnificent God now in frail human form, that now in that moment, the angels, and I get, I get this picture, right? That, that, and I don't know if it's true. I don't know if angels get jealous or not, but, but like one of them gets to go out and speak. And so one of them shows up to the shepherds and he's, he's telling them good, great, good news of great joy. And, and the rest of them are like chomping at the bit to go and explain what's actually happening. And I have this imagery of, of just God holding back the angels. Well, this one declares in the brilliance, the glory of God shines around and the angels are dying. And all of a sudden it says they suddenly, a great company, they burst onto the hilltop and they begin, they begin to speak. Now, what's fascinating is in this moment, what do you think they would say? Like, like, finally, like, you, you, humans, you don't understand. Like, this is it. You're going to be rescued. You're going to get put back together. Like, like you, you'd think they'd spill out the whole story. But notice what they say. They're praising God. Glory to God in the highest. They, they burst out of heaven, this monumental moment in human history. And the first thing they do is they go, glory to who? God. They don't even talk about the humans. They don't even talk about what's going on. They don't even mention the baby. They go where? Glory to him. This word glory is an interesting one because it's hard to explain. Um, the word glory, you can translate it beauty and majesty and magnitude. And I mean, there's just a bunch of different words you can put to it, right? But, but that still doesn't really help us gain an essence of what, what, it, what does it mean when we give glory to God? And so... If, in an attempt to explain, last week I was in Phoenix, right? And, and on the way down, before we left, I started um, talking to my wife and I go, I think it's time. And she goes, what do you mean you think it's time? I'm like, I think we need to buy this. And she's like, I don't know. And, and so I go on this thing of like why it's time and why, why it's good. And she goes, I don't even think we could find one. And I'm like, oh, I can find one, baby. You don't worry about it. If, if we're going to do this, I'll find it. Right. So I go, I started begin to like research some stuff. And, and, and so we go down for soccer and I coach and in between games, we're going to run and we're going to buy um, this thing that I'd, I'd set out to achieve. Right. And so we go down central Phoenix, get there and it's an absolute bust. And we're like, oh man, like, like, what do we do now? Like, 
I know we can do this. I know we can find it. Like we don't have to give up. So we get, we get online and we start to look and we found something North Phoenix, which meant that it'd be really tight to get to North Phoenix and get back to the next game. So we take off and we go all the way up and, and we're trying to figure out, okay, how are we, how are we going to pay for this? Cause this is different than what we planned and how are we going to do that? And what, what does it look like? And, and she's, my wife's got all these barriers and I'm like, it's okay. We'll figure it out. Right. So we're figuring it out as we go and, and, and we get up there and our daughter's down there. And so she meets us cause we want her to be there when we buy it. And so, so we go through all this and, and we buy this. The newest member of my family. And he is a dude, by the way. And we are taking testosterone back in my household, right? I got enough estrogen with all my girls. Like, we are taking it back. This is a dude that will snore and do other stuff that we can't talk about. So, welcome to Lewis. Um, okay, I didn't say this in any other services. You're the five, so you're lucky. So here you go. What is amazing about this, and this is a creature that, that just... Somebody will explain to me later, I'm sure, why, but this just fascinates me. Okay, you ready? His one paw is white. See it? But all of his nails are light on that paw. On this side, he has one, see it? One white paw, one white, one white nail. If you pick the pad up, it is split black and white down the middle. That is a gift of God because it is creativity. Um, <laughs> So, so we, we go to all this hassle and some of you are like, wait, we were just talking about glory to God. Like how we, we, okay, here we go. You ready? Um, some would ask, some would ask with all the hassle that went on and then all the hassle of getting him home, was it worth it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Have you ever done something by the way that, that you just like on a whim were like, we have to do this. Like now is the time. Like maybe it was a concert. Maybe it was a football game. Maybe it was like, who knows what it was, right? In your world. But, but maybe it was a trip to Disneyland that you hadn't planned. And you're just like, we got to do this. And, and so you went. And, and, and when you got there, it, it was so much effort. But, but then you got back and somebody went, so was it worth it? And you're like, yes, it was worth it. That is exactly what it means to give glory to God. It, is you are putting weight. You're putting weight of worth on something. So when I say it was worth it, all the hassle to get the dog, I'm saying that the dog was worth, was worth. I'm ascribing a value to. So when we say glory to God, we are ascribing a value. We are giving weight to the person of God. We are saying God is this valuable. He is worth it. So when you step in here and you make a fool of yourself with your hands high, that anybody looking on that doesn't understand are like, what are you doing? And you're like, he's worth it. He's worth it. Or, or, or you, you give your life. That was the thing that I noticed with my parents, man. 35 years as missionaries, right? I mean, just gave everything they possibly had following God. And they're still serving him to this day. And, and people ask him and it doesn't even, they don't even hesitate to go. He is worth it. He was worth me giving my life. And what they're really saying is they're ascribing a worth to him. What the angels are doing in this moment when they burst on the hilltop is they're going, God is worth it. He is worthy. He cannot be compared. And what's fascinating is when they burst on the hilltop and they're talking about the Christmas story, they go, he is worth it. They take your eyes from where you want to go and they place them first where? On him. 
Because they are stunned that that God would do what he just did. They are stunned that that God would become a baby for us. They are stunned that God thinks you're worth it. They are stunned that God would subject himself to this form. And and what's fascinating then is the next words that they say. They say, peace on earth to whom his favor rests. So peace, peace. So, so glory is the first word that the angels give us. The second word is peace. But peace comes through this thing called favor, which we call grace. Grace, grace is the means that peace comes. And, and so what they're declaring is God, God is worth it, but God is worth it. Why? Because the gift that he's given you is peace. Now, now, peace in the sense of the scriptures is not peace like we think of it. Peace, peace often we think of as we haven't fought for a while, right? So we're at peace. Or, or we don't have a war going on, so we're at peace. That, that's not peace in biblical terms. Peace in biblical terms is, is wholeness, completeness put together. That, that when peace doesn't exist is when the fragments are all over the place, when the fragments are broken. So, so our broken lives are an example of the lack of peace. What God came to do is he goes, I'm coming to put you back together. I'm coming to piece it all back together. Peace is the wholeness, completeness of something. And he says, I'm coming to put you back together, but what it requires is grace. It has to come through grace, which, which then brings us to the idea that God essentially hands you a present and goes, you don't deserve it, but when you open it, what will actually happen is everything in your life will be put back together. Everything in your life will be redeemed. Everything in your life will be whole. And what's fascinating with this is, is we struggle to live this out. And here's what I mean. If, if God, God, right, in the angel's terms, that God gives things by grace. Okay? So, so God gives things by grace. If you change the who, so if you change God, you change the what that is received. Okay, so if you change the who, you change the what. Here's what I mean. Okay, so if, if God, let's say, let's say in your world, God is, you, you were given a form of God that God is just always angry. He's like that grumpy old dude. You know what I mean? He's just, he's just waiting for you to mess up. We, we use this in our joking language sometimes. Like, like you would be sitting with somebody and they tell a lie and you're like, ooh, I'm going to move away from you. Why? Because God's going to strike you, right? As if God is this angry being that is just waiting for you to screw up so that he can hit you with his giant bat, right? So, so in this sense, then you've got, you've got the who that we say, okay, if I believe in an angry God, then the what I get in life is I have to now appease the angry God. I now live my life on eggshells. I now live in such a way that all I'm trying to do is not tick off who the angry God, right? And so then we categorize sins, right? We categorize that if, if I just dabble in this one, God won't get too mad. But, but if I do that one, then I know I'm going to get hit with the bat. And, and so life becomes this tiptoe through life around God just to not tick God off. Or if, if, if your God is that you, you've placed on the throne, if, if your God is the God of the scales, you know what I mean? He's a scorekeeper. That, that your God is, is, he takes my good and that goes on one side. And when, when I screw up, that goes on the other side. And so my good and bad end up on the scales, Right? 
Well, what happens is if that's your God, if your God is a scorekeeper, then what you get in life is you get a lifestyle of keep trying to do enough good to tip the scales in my favor. Because if I tip the scales in my favor, then God will be good to me and I'll get blessing. But, it, but if I do bad, then the bad on the scales, that, that God's going to give me curse. You see, what I change God to, the who, changes the what. So, so if God is a scorekeeper, then what I get is I get a lifestyle that is constantly measuring the good and the bad. Because depending on how it comes out depends on what I get. That's why when people say, you know, when, when we talk about heaven, they go, man, I'm hoping to get to heaven. I've been really good. What they're saying is my scales are going to weigh what? They're going to weigh in the good favor. Somehow it's going to ding and there'll be a light and God will go, okay, come on in. The problem is that's not what the angels declared. What the angels declared is this God who is good, this God who is love, this God who is magnificent, this God who is beyond compare, that God, creator God, he, he works in the world of grace. So the real question is, the what that you've been handed is, is grace. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it. It's free. Just like a present on Christmas morning, it says to, and it has your name. What are you going to do with it? Because here's the thing. If I change the who, then I change the what. So, so we got to make sure first and foremost, when we give glory, we give the correct weight and put the correct God, the God of the Bible, on the throne and not a God that man made up because he wants to control the outcome. Second thing is, is I would say this, that if I got a present right under my tree and it says to John, so I know it's mine, but it says from Pharaoh, Pharaoh is my four-year-old. What happens is the expectations of what in this bo- what's in this box changes, right? I don't expect the Range Rover keys to be in this box. You know what I mean? Like they're not going to be there. Why? Because she's four, right? So, so the expectation, there's a limit on the expectation. Why? Because there's a limit on the giver. A- another thing that we have to be careful that we don't do is limit the giver of the good gift at Christmas, you see, if I limit God, then I limit the gift. If I limit the giver, I limit the gift. That, it, that if over here, this God, he can kind of do some stuff, but not all stuff, then guess what? Over here, I've limited what he can actually do. Because what happens is the giver, in this sense, God, when we give the correct weight to God, he can do anything. He controls everything. He is the God of the universe. Well, all of a sudden now, what's possible in my life is, is anything. Why? Because the giver is capable of anything. So now as it walks out, the Christmas story walks out for you, this story can be true. Why? Because if this God can do anything, then he can choose to give you, as Ephesians says, he can choose to give you a gift of grace that you don't earn. For it is by grace that you save, not of works, not of yourself. Why? So that you can't boast. It's a gift. He says, he says hold up, hold up. I'm giving you this by grace. And because he can do anything, when we talk about peace and we talk about a God who can put everything back together, he can put everything back together. There's nothing outside of his scope. There's no healing that can't happen. There's no restoration that can't happen. There's no worry that can't go away. Uh, one of the, I struggle with these messages as a speaker, and here's why. Because they're very theoretical at the moment. 
Can, can I pull it? To, I want to give you something practical to walk away with. That This week you can go, I can do this. Okay, I can take this message and I can put it into action. So, so Paul, when he was writing to the church at Philippi, he, he put it this way. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. So he talks about joy, joy in the Lord. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. That's what Christmas is all about, right? The Lord being near. Do not be anxious. Do not be what? Anxious. Okay, this time of year, a lot of people, like you don't even have to have Christmas anxious. You, you might just have a, a family member in California, right? That's, that makes you anxious, right? Or, or you just have to sit in our world for the last how long. You might have had somebody in Vegas. You might have had something like, like the world's been crazy. So, so anxiousness doesn't necessarily have to come just from the Christmas season. The word anxious, by the way, is it's made up of this word called mera, which is the parts. So it's the parts of life that actually make you anxious. Because you're trying to manage them all. You're trying to balance them all. You're trying to control them all, right? So, so we have all these parts that we're trying to control. We're trying to control outcomes. We're trying to, trying to work through if I do this and I do that. And at Christmas, it's amplified. Why? Because we begin to go, man, I got to get my kids that. And I got to get that. And I got the weird in-laws coming and they're going to stay. And where are they going to stay? And when they get here, oh man, what's the conversation going to be like? Remember last time they came? It was crazy, right? Like... <laughs> And all of a sudden, it doesn't take long before I'm all worked up and I'm all anxious because all these parts of life, hey, John, all right, but there's all these parts of life that are happening and all these parts have got me anxious and worked up and it's hard for my soul to be home for the holidays if I'm all worked up and anxious and worried and concerned and can't rest. And let's be honest, sometimes when we get that way, we start to run to things that we shouldn't run to. And in the Christmas season, in the holiday season, when depression sets in and hurt sets in, we can tend to become destructive instead of actually leaning into what the Christmas story is all about. And so what Paul's saying is don't be anxious. Don't let the parts get you worried. Don't let them get you worked up about anything. But in every situation, and here you go, here's the angel's theology. You ready? By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So that's the first part, right? You ever pray? Where does your mind go when you pray? What do you normally start with? Something like, dear God. Or maybe you take Jesus' words literal and it's our Father who are in heaven, right? So, so just by praying instantly, I can be in the worst moment, the worst situation, the most pressures. I'm anxious and all of a sudden I lift my eyes and I go, dear God, what am I actually doing? I'm getting my view where? On God, I'm giving him worth. I'm giving him glory. I'm giving him weight. I begin with taking my situation and going, but you are so much greater and you are so much bigger and you are so much more capable of doing anything in this moment. And it's in that moment then, next verse, that it says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus and the peace of God. So, so wait, when I get my eyes up, when I give glory to God, it says then the next thing is this peace of God, this gift of God, right, is now given to me. This peace of God, which if I stood here and I tried to explain to you how it works, it says we can't understand it, right? So we can try, but it's saying you're not going to get it. I can't tell you why I have peace when the world is all in these parts, but I have peace. Why? Because I've given glory to God and the outcome of giving glory to God as the angels knew long ago is the gift was going to be peace. He was going to pull the whole, he was going to pull the parts all together. 
And then there's this last part that says, we'll guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's grace. That's grace. We don't deserve that. But he says, in the midst, in the midst of your most anxious moment, in the midst of your worry, in the midst of your doubt, in the midst of all those parts, he goes, he goes raise your eyes and give glory to God and pray. And in the midst of praying, in the midst of praying with praising, by the way, with thanksgiving, peace will come over you. And then he says, and, and then something else happens. It will guard your heart, which that word heart and mind is, is another way of saying soul. Your soul will be guarded. Your soul will be guarded this Christmas. Why? In Christ Jesus, in our Savior that's in a manger. I remember the phrase I asked you to remember up top. What was it? You're like, up top, we've been here a long time. Remember, you looked at, keep watch, thank you. You looked at your neighbor and said it, right? What you got with the shepherds is a picture of what we just read. Here's what I mean. What you got with the shepherds is a picture of what it looks like that peace that transcends all understanding when you give glory to God will guard your soul. That word guard your soul, that guard your heart that's found in Philippians is found right here in the word keeping watch. Essentially, the Lord becomes your shepherd at Christmas and he guards, he keeps watch over your soul. He keeps watch over your soul. Uh, AKA translation for us at Heights going through Advent home for the holidays. Your soul comes home for the holidays because he guards it, he protects it, he keeps it whole this Christmas. How? We just apply little angels theology. Give glory to God. Through grace, the gift of peace comes in our lap. And he puts it all back together. And we get to settle into being full of joy and peace and hope and love. Why? Because long, long, long ago, the angels watched the infinite God become an infant for you. And so, God, we come before you tonight. And, God, we thank you for being the God who is the creator. We thank you for being the God who is big enough to handle anything. We thank you for being the God who sits on a throne. We thank you for being the God that holds our souls. We thank you for being the God who knit us together. We thank you for being the God that knows as well. We thank you for being the God that knows what we're facing tonight. We thank you for being the God that promises peace. We thank you for being the God that is above all, as in all, and created all. We thank you for being God tonight. Because if you are God, we don't have to try to be. God, give us the courage to accept by grace, to stop working, stop striving, to rest this Christmas. That by grace, you have given us peace. You have reconciled all things through Jesus. God, thank you for reminding us that you are the God who is with us, that you declared you are Emmanuel, the God who is with us us. God, as we stand and we sing those words together, as we stand and declare that you are the God who is with us, God, would you bring to mind those that are not in this room, that have not been on this campus, that you've put us in the world of through jobs and school and um, activities and teams and all kinds of things we're involved in, God. Would you, would you bring to mind people, God, that need to know you are the God of grace and you are the God of peace. Would you bring them to mind, God, as we sing and declare you're with us, that they need to know you're with us. 
God, for those that are anxious in the room, would you give them a moment to declare worth to you, to declare weight to you, to declare who you are. And God, would you bring peace over them tonight? Thank you for loving us. And everybody said, amen.